Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we'll talk about, of course, the cancellation of the Wisconsin football game against Purdue. We'll get into the latest on that briefly. We don't want to, you know, we can sit here and be doom and gloom and, and talk all about that, and we'll, of course, touch on it. Um, but we didn't have to want our whole episode, our 200th episode to focus uh, solely on a game being canceled. So thankfully we were able to land a great guest in Ken Pomeroy. You're probably familiar with his basketball rankings and his analytics um, on the college basketball side. Great interview with him uh, to kind of give you an introspective look at the Badgers from a numbers standpoint, from a ranking standpoint. In his rankings, the Badgers currently sit seventh. So one of the top teams in the nations according to the numbers. So a uh, really fun interview with him. I think you guys will enjoy it. And then and, uh, hopefully we'll be back with you uh, next week, talking some football and uh, some other stuff. But, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, yeah. I'm excited for the interview. I think folks will really like it. It's it's definitely getting back towards basketball season, which is, you know, weird considering that football season seems like it's just got off the ground and, you know, the plane has fallen apart and hopefully the plane will get back going. But um, it is exciting, though, that basketball is going to be back soon, too, so we're going to have multiple sports happening at the same time within Badger Athletics. But how you doing, dude? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a bummer. I guess I... I was kind of ready for the bummer to hit. I, I know some we were kind of optimistic, and but I wasn't going to get to the point where I knew that uh, not I wasn't going to get myself too excited because I had a feeling, you know, it was a toss-up 50-50 and uh, unfortunately broke the other way. But when you continuously have, you know, more cases, it's hard to justify uh, playing a football game when it just continues to climb. So that segues nicely. We, we all know about the situation and what – we're a Badger podcast, so we have to talk about um, you know the Badger football team and what's going on over there. So 27 cases, of course, that led to the cancellation of the Purdue game. Um, I guess I don't really know if there's much more you can make of it. it it's a it's a crappy situation. Um, we're hoping that all these guys are getting healthy and the guys in the coaching staff, everyone is hopefully recovering and, and isolating and, and getting better. Um, and I know football is kind of second nature in a pandemic, but uh, or, or second seat in, in a pandemic. But what do you make of the whole situation and uh, the update, and of course the cancellation? Yeah, it's definitely crummy. There's there's really no other way to put it. It's it's just unfortunate. I know the players had worked really hard to make this a possibility. Uh, it came tumbling down really quickly um, for them. You gotta hope that they're gonna be able to get that Michigan game going um, in a little over a week now. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic for that. I think both of us were trying to keep a happy face going into the podcast last week or uh, earlier this week, making sure to say, hey, hopefully the game against Purdue happens. But I think deep down we both knew that it probably was not going to be happening based off of the trend line that was happening. Um Look at it now, it seems like the the staff and UW Athletics is really working hard to try to get this under control. PCR testing daily, um, and, and 
in conjunction with the daily antigen test to try to really make sure that they're they're hitting this hard. Um, hopefully the Badgers will get a, a big amount of their guys back for that Michigan game. Based off of it, though, you'd think you're going to get most likely Graham Mertz, but possibly not. Um, some of the other guys who have tested positive, you should get your um, contingent of coaches back, though, which will be helpful. But it, it's obviously it's not great right now. It really isn't. Um, but this isn't – the Badgers aren't the only team that have had this across the country. There's been a lot. Houston missed out on the first, like, four or five weeks because of uh, COVID problems. Um, Ross Dellinger, he went ahead and, and put something out from SI basically saying that right now that there's nearly 15%, a little over 14% of games so far that were scheduled um, have been impacted by COVID. So it's not like this is only happening in Wisconsin um, and in Madison, but I think it is probably a microcosm of everything that's going on in the state right now with uh, with the outbreak and, and how it hasn't been trending great. So it's, it's really unfortunate, and but deep down I think both of us saw this kind of coming. Yeah, it is unfortunate, and you know, you you just hoped and prayed that you were, you know, maybe maybe it's gonna you know brighten up and and they're gonna play, and who knows, you know, it, maybe it got better, and unfortunately, it just it didn't. But that's how this this thing sp- it spreads, it, it spreads rapidly. You know, when you're in close contact, that's why they tell. <laughs> there's a reason they tell you to stay six feet apart from everybody, and when you're practicing football. That's that's kind of harder to do, and you know that can just kind of keep rolling and rolling. So hopefully for the Badgers, they can get it, um, you know, under control. I know they were still trying to figure out the source of of the original start, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But uh, of course, if they can get back on the field for that Michigan game, it would be huge. Um, you know, I know everyone's worried about uh, the you know the West Division. Can they do it? Can they do that? But uh, that, we'll just have to wait and see. You got to just play the games that you can play. And uh, go from there, and and hopefully they can get back on the field. And if they, um, you know, if they can qualify, great. If if for some reason they can't, if something else happens, you still get, you know, if you can play some games, you get valuable experience for guys. Who knows? If you can get the chance to play, you're going to do it. And if not, you know, if you can't do it safely or you've got cases like that, you can. And I think that's just the way you have to look at it this year. Now I know Wisconsin's the only team in the Big Ten that's kind of going through it, but there's there's like you said, there's teams across the country that have battled through it. And, and hopefully you can take this as some sort of valuable experience as the year goes on and, and whatever the case may be with this team. You know, they hopefully they can improve, and, and who knows what happens. You just got to let the chips fall where they may at this point. Yeah, for sure. And, and you look at that Michigan game, the cases in the state are going up there as well. So this isn't an isolated incident in Madison, like I was saying. I think, really, you look at it, hopefully they can get that, that hit that threshold of six games. But that means they've got to be spotless from here out to make sure that they're able to play each of those games, which is going to be tough to do um, because it's not just you. It's also your the team you're going against, the opponent that is on the other side of the sidelines. So I, I'm hopeful that the Badgers can get there, have an opportunity to go to a conference championship game if if they're uh, if they're eligible. But if not, you, you look at a team like Purdue who just was able to escape by the Badgers in a lot of ways, and they've got a – kind of the inside track now, one would have to assume, because they don't have to play Wisconsin and also have already won two of their Big Ten games. So you, you look at it, the Badgers are going to be okay. I think it's we knew this was going to be a strange season. We talked about it um, ad nauseum earlier this year about how it might be a situation where the Badgers or another team might play five games and one team plays ten games and, and how that impacts not only – 
uh, conference standings, but also the the playoff standings. And and I think it's it's going to be wild to see how this goes. Yeah, it's wild is going to be a great way to put it. Whenever they get back on the field, and and who knows if they if they run the table, there's going to be lots of. Um, you know, there's going to be some fans, fan bases that are upset. There's going to be, you know, some fan bases that are unhappy, and uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be a wild ride uh, to the finish. But I think at the end of the day, if you can get Badger football back and and watch some of these guys um, through, throughout the season, whenever when they get back out there, it'll be fun to watch. You know, we all, everybody enjoyed that Illinois game. I know everyone wanted to see him play Nebraska and Purdue as well, but uh, you know, just having Badger football is is something I didn't expect to have. For a while there, so uh, I know it's you got to take it with a grain of salt, but it's nice to see them back, uh, hopefully here soon. On one positive uh, note, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you. So this is this is kind of wild, hypothetical, but mm-hmm. say the Badgers don't hit that threshold. Say they get to they only play five games. They're able to they aren't able to play in the Big Ten championship, but they run the table. They were they're five and zero oh in those. Big Ten games they had, they missed out on three games. Um, I think fans, fans will be pretty pissed, um, rightfully so. Players will be pissed because they missed out on that opportunity as well. But then that the way they're tiering the 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 East West games, maybe they play a two v two, for example, and they end up playing Penn State or Michigan again, or Michigan for the first time if that's how it falls. Um, if they win that game, the Badgers don't have a huge resume, but if chaos erupts all across the rest of the country, what are your thoughts on the Badgers possibly being a team that could look in the playoff? I mean, I it'd be a crazy hypothetical, but right now the way it looks uh, across the country, I, I wouldn't write off any team um, that doesn't have a loss column in there because right now if you look at the playoff rankings you've got, I think Notre Dame is fourth, and they've got Clemson this weekend. That could... Um, you know, that could shake out where Clemson wins that. Then the fourth seed gets even muddier, a team like BYU or Cincinnati. You know, BYU is undefeated. They haven't played a single team with much of a fall. <laughs> Cincinnati looks pretty good. But, again, you know, who knows? It, it, it's it's going to be I, – I think this year especially you're going to have, you know, um, you're going to have Clemson probably there. I know Trevor Lawrence, but he'll be back after this week. You'll have Alabama there. You'll have Ohio State there. But that fourth seed is is going to be, or that fourth team is going to be muddy. I don't know if another SEC team gets in there. I don't know if the Big Ten can get in there, or if Notre Dame squeaks squeaks back in there. If if their only loss is to Clemson, or if they, they beat Clemson, play. yeah, if, yep. not having Lawrence, yeah, yep. So it's that fourth spot is going to be messy. I I do think the Badgers, if they, I think if they don't play this next game, it would be tough. Um, but I think if they came back and, and ran the table and only missed two games and then, uh, you know, knocked off, oh, of course, Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, that would be, um, you know, pretty special. I think you'd get in that way. But I don't know if, if that hypothetical, if only playing um, the five and then the sixth game, that that might be a tough ask. But it's 2020. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of teams and a lot up in the air right now. Yeah, because like I was just I was just thinking like I honestly I, I think that is so far fetched for anything like that to happen. But you look at it and teams the playoff committee is going to have a hard time deciding of which direction to go. Are you going to prop up a team like Cincinnati who didn't look great at the beginning of the year but now has been just red hot um, with Ritter at quarterback? You've got other teams in the 
the um, Big 12 who are just cannibalizing each other. Uh, we don't know what we'll see from the Pac-12, and they're only going to be playing about what the Badgers would be playing in that scenario anyways for games. So an un- are you going to go with an undefeated Oregon, or are you going to go with an undefeated Wisconsin, for example? And like I said, this is just this is fun podcast talk instead of, like, you know, what's actually going to happen. But, but say the Badgers do play Michigan, but later on aren't able to play – Minnesota or Iowa, for example, but are still able to play a ranked Michigan, potentially a ranked Indiana. Um, it, 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 it opens up a box where you never know based off of what it could look like because I have a hard time to see any Pac, uh, Big 12 team getting in there. And who knows what the Badgers' resume looks like because they were kind of taken away those games. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. I mean, you know, first you got to get back on the field and, and start winning games, but if you do that, you're just going to make it that much messier. But uh, embrace the chaos of 2020, um, and, and we'll see how it shakes out. Um, on a more positive note, uh, Barry Alvarez did say that basketball and hockey for both the men's and women's teams have reported no new cases, and they are on track to start. I know um, in terms of the hockey schedule, I believe they're supposed to get something soon. Um, I saw it a was just released. Oh, was it? Was it, was it? just okay. released a, a, a chunk of it. Not the whole okay. thing, but a chunk of it. Um, Rock just put up an article on that, that the first half of the 2020 Bay 10 hockey schedule was, was in fact, dropped. There you go. So there you go. Breaking news on the podcast. So there, uh, you know, I got at least part of a schedule to get going here. I know basketball, there's a couple games on the schedule still waiting on the full thing, but it's nice to see that they're on uh, track to play. You know, like our interview with Ken Pomeroy, it kind of got me excited for, for Badger basketball season. So I'm glad that everything is going well over there. And, and thankfully, you know, the, the tip-off um, continues to be on track to, to start um, when they expect. Yeah, and I, I think this Badger team is going to be good. I, I really do. We'll talk more about it as it gets closer. We're still a, a little under a month away from actual tip-off and actual games to discuss, but uh, I, I'm really pumped to see what this team can do um, and to see if any of these young guys can can help them out in any meaningful minutes because I think that's the big question because you've got guys who are starting to get uh, watch list season awards like uh, Nate Reavers with the Carl Malone Award and uh, Dimitri Trice with the Bob Cousy Award, but um, but it, those are great. But really, once once it happens and the teams are back on the on the the hardwood, that's when it really matters. And, I, and I'm excited to see that happen, especially with how football has kind of been an abbreviated season to hopefully have a full basketball season to watch. Yeah, that would be great. Fingers crossed that we get a, a normal season because I know everyone's excited to see the squad after their um, hot finish the last year and, and kind of cut short with the, the NCAA tournament being canceled. So to see them back on the court and hopefully have a full normal season um, to make up for that would be would be very nice. And, and these guys um, are going to be exciting to watch all season long, so I'm excited to see what they can do. So, All right, we'll get into our Big Ten football picks last week. Uh, both of us, we were chalk across the board in terms of us having the same picks. Four and two, the losers being Minnesota and Michigan. I don't think anybody really saw either of those coming, but uh, they did, and we can chuckle about it now. So four and two for that. Um, after a five and two week for me in week one and three and four week for you in week one. And so uh, good, good four and two week. You, you'll take that every time, but this week it gets a little bit um, I won't say easier. I, I think last year, last week was kind of looked chalky, and then he got some, uh, got some 
some uh, some serious you know, upsets in the conference that, that really flipped it up and down. But uh, this week you've got some good games, some interesting matchups, and then some teams that you just don't know about right now. You don't know what they're going to bring. Um, you know, a game like Minnesota at Illinois. Minnesota was supposed to be um, a contender for the West. They're 0-2. Illinois is 0-2. Hasn't looked good at all. So uh, some interesting ones on the docket for the conference this week. We'll start with one that might be one of the more intriguing ones in Nebraska and Northwestern. Nebraska, of course, did not play last week. We all know that. 0-1 coming into the game. Northwestern undefeated, 2-0, looking much better than what they did a year ago. Um, that one is 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network. Who do you have winning that uh, interesting Big Ten West game? I think that one's going to be really good. Um, you know, just on the on BTN, the, the spread is really close between those two, and I, I could see this one going either way. Um, Northwestern, I think, is is probably the better team. They have a lot more coming back, but I, I do think that Nebraska should be should be um, tough to take down. I'm going to go with Northwestern here um, in a close one. I just think Ryan Field is such a dead hole in the ground that they can they can lull Nebraska to sleep. Their defense is solid, and Nebraska's had struggles with the run, and Northwestern it has done a really good job on the ground with multiple backs this year. So I'm going to go with Northwestern in a nail-biter. Yeah, that one is definitely going to be interesting. I think what you said about them being able to run the football is, is certainly one to look for. Um, and this, you know, last year Northwestern had nothing offensively; they couldn't run the ball, couldn't throw the ball, couldn't move the ball in general. This year, it's a lot different. But I don't know why. I really don't have an explanation why. But for some reason, I kind of like Nebraska in this game. I don't know if it's just the the animosity of last week and everybody's against us. Everybody wants us out of the conference. Uh, this and that and the other thing with poor, poor what was me, Nebraska. So they they usually are a team that, you know, they maybe get in that situation, but they don't come through. They still end up losing. But something about it just makes me want to pick the Cornhuskers here. So I'm going to start us off a little different. I'm going to take Nebraska in just a, a weird, wacky Big Ten game is the, is the way I see it play out where uh, – you know, turnovers and and punts and the whole nine yards, everything that you expected was kind of be crazy um, and happening, I think, could happen in this one. But I'm going to take Nebraska, and uh, we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing that one uh, for sure. All right, our next one here as I move down. I like that we uh, went in different directions. I know. We had to start out. Well, last week we were, we were too similar. We had to – had to have uh, a disagreement here uh, to start. Uh, that's always a good one. And the, Well, this next game I'm interested to see where you're at too. Um, 11 a.m., Fox Sports 1, Michigan traveling to Indiana. Michigan 1-1. One one. Indiana, of course, undefeated. Things are looking good for the Hoosiers so far, but what do you make of uh, this game at the Big Ten East? I also think this is going to be a really good game. I'm I'm excited for this one. I think those those two games. I mean, you're going to have to also have the Michigan State and Iowa game. That's a lot of really good football games going on at the same time. Thank God for YouTube TV. But um, with that, I'm really hopeful to to see what Indiana is like. Who are they really? Because we we've, we've seen them just kind of skate by against Penn State. That was a huge win, um, and, and but what they didn't look like overly dominant. They didn't look great. They took advantage of Penn State's misfortunes, but but they they just didn't look anything like really wow to me. Um, against Rutgers, it was kind of the same. So I think 
Michigan is kind of more of a Jekyll and Hyde here. We don't we they kind of can can go with the wind. Um, and I'm gonna go with Michigan. I think they're gonna play up for that game, and I think that they're gonna respond nicely and get a win um, because Jim Harbaugh needs it in this one. And I think he he does that. He he loses the games that uh, really put him on the hot seat, and then he ends up getting getting propped up by some games that that he wins shortly after that. So I'm going to go with Michigan, um, but I, I don't have a really strong feeling that that's the way it's going to end. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a crazy one, too, kind of back and forth, similar to that uh, Penn State game with Indiana the first week. Indiana Magic um, you know, always seems to rear its head, and so far it's kind of been in the, the presence. You know, That week one win was, of course, insane. Last week against Rutgers, they looked you know, they didn't look great, that Penn State game, and they didn't look overly special, that Rutgers game, either. I mean, a lot of wacky stuff happened there. But for me, I'm going to disagree again. And, I mean, you guys all know, if you've listened to our podcast for over the last few weeks, you know I'm high on Indiana. I'm actually wearing my – I got a – if you don't haven't checked it out before, Home Field Apparel. Uh, I have one of their sweatshirts on. I have actually got an Indiana sweatshirt. I usually don't buy anything or wear anything else, Big Ten teams, but – um, I like the look of that one. So I'm going to stick with the Hoosiers. They're my team that I'm I'm riding on the Big Ten East. I know when they play the Badgers in a few weeks, I'll have to, of course, root against them. But for right now, they, they're a team that just seems to find a way to win. So I like them in this one. If it was at Michigan, I would say no. You know, I, I would go with the with the, the Wolverines in that one. But for some reason, Indiana just seems like a team that's going to find a way to win these weird games. And so I'm going to take them uh, here in this one. I think that's fair. I Like I said, both those games are, are coin tosses to me. I think it could go either way, and I would not be surprised. The next one is the one that I really have absolutely no idea where I want to go on that one. The Michigan State-Iowa, the other 11 o'clock game on ESPN. Iowa comes in. 0-2, go back at home. Things have, have not looked good for them. Tight games in both their contests. Michigan State, you would think it was a team that was going to get, you know, got beat by Rutgers, think you're going to get rolled over by Michigan. They come out um, and, and knock off the Wolverines, and now they get Iowa. So I really have no idea what to make of this game, but where are you going in this uh, cross-division matchup? I'm going Iowa, and I know that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense simply because we're looking at an Iowa team who hasn't looked great the first couple of games. They had a whole crap load of stuff happen this offseason that was not great, um, and that has to have some lingering effects in some way, shape, or form. But I look at it as Michigan State's coming up this huge high that they just beat their rival. That is like their game. That is the number one game in their schedule um, that they circle every year. And, and sure, they got that win, but it doesn't change the fact that people were really down on Michigan State going into this year, and I'm still pretty down on them. I just still don't see um, it. I thought that they did a much better job of taking shots down the field, if I can speak here. Um, but it, it doesn't change the fact that I still don't think that they are necessarily uh, a team that is going to be in contention in the in the East. So I'm going to go with Iowa. I think they need a, to bounce back, and they're going to be playing playing big here. I look at that spread, and it's almost a full touchdown in Iowa's favor, and maybe Vegas knows something. Yeah, I would have to agree with you, kind of for the same reasons. It looks like a situational spot for Michigan State. You go on the road, you beat your rival, you're, you're riding high, and then you've got to go – uh, to Iowa City the following week, and and maybe you don't come out as strong. You know, I'm sure they were fired up in a rivalry game. You just got beat by Rutgers. You're embarrassed. The coaches are yelling at you. You come out. You get it right. 
Now, which Michigan State team is going to show up? I know they turned the ball over, you know, an, an incredible amount of times in that Rutgers one, and it was just sloppy football. But I have to go with Iowa here as well. Um, you know, I just think they they look like a team that they they they've been in both of their games. You know, Michigan State had that struggle um, in Week One. Iowa, you know, you, you don't see them losing three games in a row, and I know. Um, it hasn't broke for them the first two weeks, but for some reason I think they right the ship here uh, back at home against Michigan State. So I, I like your thinking there on that uh, other 11 a.m. contest. Moving on down the way, battle of um, winless teams in Minnesota and Illinois. You know Things seem to return back to normal for the, the Gophers down at the basement of the Big Ten West uh, with Illinois, but... Weird game, again, uh, seven-point spread. Uh, in the, the Gophers are favored. Uh, in that one, 230 Big Ten Network, where are you going with uh, the battle of the winless teams? I think this is another one that could be fun to watch. I think um, I think Minnesota not having their defensive coordinator could be a bright spot for them, um, just based off of how crummy they've looked defensively this year. But I just don't think because we have Brandon Peters not able to play due to the 21-day quarantine, um, just like Graham Mertz is going through, he's also out for this one. There's a bunch of Illinois players that are out. I thought they looked formidable against Purdue last week. But in the end, I'm still going to go with Minnesota to win this. I think Minnesota has the better offense. And Illinois, I don't know if they can put up the points to keep pace with Minnesota in this one. So even though Minnesota's defense is just in all sorts of terrible news, um, I do think that their offense will do just enough to take um, home a victory here and and get off the 0-0 start. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. I just I don't see you know if Brandon Peters was playing this game and Illinois kind of had their normal um, you know offensive weapons with with him. Um, I know he hasn't looked great. He didn't look great in that opener against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got a great defense that um, you know Minnesota doesn't look like they have that quite yet. So I'm going to go with Minnesota simply because he's out. But I think it's going to be a game. You know, if you're talking the spread, I could see Illinois maybe hanging around. Um, but for right now, it just seems like a situation where uh, Minnesota is going to come in and, and, and try and get some things right. I know they're without some personnel and some coaches as well, but it just seems like a game that, that Minnesota is going to bounce back and, and get their first win. So I'm going to agree with you there um, in, in that one. Moving on down the way, Maryland and Penn State, the other 230 game um, on the Big Ten Network as well. Um, so probably only going to get one of those games where, depending on where you live, uh, shout out to YouTube TV as well. Sometimes you can get both of them. But an interesting one there. Um, I'm guessing this one will be, you know, it looks like on paper Penn State to, to bounce back, get their first win. But Maryland last week was impressive. I don't know if that was just Minnesota's defense really struggling, but uh, they did some things last week that certainly made them look a little bit more for real. But we've seen that from Maryland in the past where they come out and start strong about the end of the year, they look like they're you know riding the struggle bus. So uh, where are you going in this Big Ten East matchup? Yeah, I'm going to go with Penn State in this. Um, I, I think Penn State has way too much talent for Maryland to, to make up for, for that. Um, Minnesota, I think Maryland hit them right about perfect time. But this is also going to be in – um, Beaver Stadium. This is going to be Penn State coming off of back-to-back losses. They need to get back on track. 
we saw Jahan Dotson come out come out of the woodwork last week and make some spectacular catches for Penn State. I think Penn State is going to roll in this one. I, I don't know if it'll necessarily be um, above or below the um, line, but I, I do think that Penn State's going to win this comfortably. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think this one's going to be a game that James Franklin comes out, and I I would look maybe to that 25 because they might just be a team that is, is pressing on the gas the entire you know the entire game to just keep scoring points. Um, I I know that they didn't they didn't look bad in that week one game against Indiana. They should have won that football game. And last week against Ohio State, they did some things. It was just they could not you know Penn State would come down and score, narrow the gap, and then Ohio State would just bounce back five plays later, have a touchdown, and, and just push their lead out further. But Penn State on defense is a lot better than what uh, you know they've. They've been, oh, at times, they've got the athletes there. Um, offensively, they look like they found some things last week. So I think this is going to be a game where Penn State comes out and, and puts up a lot of points and, and really scores. If, if you're betting, I don't know about the 25 as well, but i definitely maybe look at the over there because it just seems like there's going to be points galore. And, and I know Maryland showed that they can score some points, so maybe they uh, uh, finish it off that way and, and push the total over. But I think Penn State, like you said, rolls in this one and gets their first win. It's, it's crazy that we're talking about Penn State, Minnesota, and Iowa um, you know, not having wins yet, but that's just kind of the way it's been um, so far. All right, the last one, the night game, uh, Ohio State <laughs> in prime time, Rutgers. Uh, I don't know why that's the night spot of all of them. I know there's some there's some other good games, and then there's this one. So I think we both are going to agree um, on Ohio State, so we'll make it easy. But does Rutgers hang around, or is this one just um, you know a thirty? The line's thirty eight in favor of Ohio State. Um, does this one uh, stay within the number, or is uh, Ohio State just going to you know, blow the doors off and, and cover that big spread? Ohio State by a million. This is it's just like, I think, that what was the spread last year, like 53 and a half? Yeah, and, it was something wild like that. <laughs> and and they failed to cover, and people were like flabbergasted by it. But it was like, oh, my gosh, they didn't beat them by 50. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think – Push comes to shove. Ohio State just way too talented of a team for Rutgers to even hang in this one. I don't anticipate it being a game for very long. This is one of those ones where if we could stop the counting early, it'd be great. Haha, <laughs> thank you, election. Um, but uh, really, I do think that it, Rutgers has got no shot in this, and it's one of those games where I know they have to play it on the schedule, but really, one would have to assume that Justin Fields probably isn't even going to be playing in the second half. Yeah, that one last year was, I just looked it up, 52-and-a-half in the spread, and the over-under was set at 61-and-a-half. So you were basically <laughs> you were just trying to figure out if Rutgers was going to score a point. So uh, a little bit better this year, 38th is an improvement, um, but I still don't see, I don't know, I, I would probably lay the number with Ohio State. Yeah, I think that it's a season where you can't, you, you have to be smart, and of course, you know, like you said, Justin Fields might not be out there as long, but... Ohio State's backups are guys that would be playing at Rutgers if they were there. I know Greg Schiano looks like they've turned it around a little bit, but I'm not in any position to uh, make that claim that they're going to even hang. With I think hanging with Ohio State would be an accomplishment. I don't think they'll be anywhere close to that. So uh, Buckeyes in a landslide in that one for me as well. So just the difference on the first two in uh, you taking Northwestern, myself taking Nebraska, you taking Michigan, myself taking uh, the Hoosiers, 
in that Big Ten East matchup. So it should be a fun weekend of Big Ten football, you guys. I know, again, not having the Badgers is disappointing, but at least we get to uh, watch the Big Ten Conference. A lot of good games on the schedule for this weekend, including that Ohio State Rutgers one. But All right, well, that kind of wraps up our segment. Uh, stick with us here. We've got a couple quick ad reads, and then I'll get we'll get into our interview with college basketball analyst Ken Pomeroy. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest to talk some Wisconsin basketball, some college basketball. It is Ken Pomeroy. You may be familiar with his rankings, uh, Ken Palm rankings, a very analytical side of college basketball that ranks uh, um, you know, the college basketball teams. The Badgers were seventh in the latest release for this upcoming season, so high hopes for Badger fans, and it looks like Ken agrees that the Badgers will be a top team in the nation, so we're happy to hear that but before we dive into the Badgers Ken first thank you for joining us we wanted to just kind of ask about your rankings I believe from my research it looks like you've been doing this since 2002 is that correct yeah I've really been doing it since about 2004 and then I have archives that go back to 2002 on the site and there's actually some data that goes back to 1997 if you're a subscriber but uh, yeah I really started getting into it in 2004. So I guess what kind of inspired you to, to start doing that? And, and can you believe how far it's kind of came from maybe you just starting out to, to where you are today with, you know, ESPN and, and everywhere, you know, everybody kind of going off your rankings to, to evaluate college basketball teams? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, when I, when I got started, it was kind of uh, that time in Moneyball. Um, the book had just come out and, uh, you know, baseball was really starting to come of age in terms of using – uh, analytics to drive decision making and uh, there's some really good content online regarding that uh, and basketball is kind of lagging behind in that regard so uh, that was really kind of the motivation for me like I, there's nobody else really kind of doing this work for college basketball so I just kind of took it on myself to, to start it really just for my own curiosity and uh, obviously things have have grown over the years and yeah I mean back then you know I, I thought I'd get a little bit of attention but I didn't have any like aspirations to uh you know, be in the position I am today where it's really kind of my full-time job. Yeah, it's probably been a wild ride. Um, speaking of a wild ride, 2020 has been kind of crazy. Um, how has that kind of impacted the way you've done your numbers this year or um, skewed them in any which way? Yeah, it really hasn't other than, you know, maybe last year's data. Uh, you know, we didn't get the tournament, so I, I don't know how that really impacts last year's data, but uh other than that, it, it hasn't been an issue. The issue is really more going forward, how to handle this season. Uh, you know, the lack of non-conference games. There's going to have to be some adjustments to how the ratings are calculated during the year. Uh, there's the issue, issue of home court advantage, which, you know, figures to be not as high as it has been in the past. Uh, so there's some decisions like that that will have to be made. And obviously, like, there's just going to be issues with the schedule and, and games getting canceled and moved around and personnel uh changes happening more frequently than they than they have in previous seasons and those are just things that you know I'm not going to necessarily change my methodology over but it will probably make the ratings less accurate than you know in prior seasons so so for people not super in tune with how your ratings are put together what's kind of your process for going through team to team and and evaluating and, and kind of getting started to to get the ball rolling each season so there's probably two uh, two main areas, you know, that almost all rating systems, I, I guess, are, are driven by in the preseason, and that is looking at program history and looking at personnel changes. Um, you know, there's a number of different preseason ratings out there, and 
they probably vary from like a pure team-based type of deal to a pure player-based approach. Mine is kind of in between. So certainly recent program history is important. And then looking at players that are returning from last year's team, as well as incoming transfers, like that's the bulk of it. There are, you know, other smaller factors that come into play, most notably like a, a team's program's budget. Um, you know, that'll have a small impact. Coaching changes have an impact. So if a team changes coaches, especially if they are highly ranked and they they change, you know, they replace their coach with someone who did not have previous coaching experience, uh, that will really – a big penalty for that. Um, but those are – yeah, those are the main ingredients. A lot of times uh, media and college basketball talk about the resume and use the words eye test and, and lean on kind of the traditional non-numerical data points that are out there. Um, how different can those be from the raw numbers that you're usually crunching and having here? Like, have you had some crazy um, discrepancies? Yeah, occasionally. I, I think it's harder to, like, determine that the answer to that question, is, you know, in 2020, because just about everybody is taking a peek at, you know, some piece of data. Like, nobody's purely using the, the eye test. Uh, you know, they're using the eye test and then they're like getting a reality check from some more objective measures to make sure their eye test isn't so out of whack. So I think everybody to some extent is influenced by the numbers. Obviously, some people more so than others. And there's probably still a few people out there that don't use the numbers at all. Although still, they're like, even though they would say they're not using the numbers at all, they're probably influenced by the numbers indirectly because they're getting opinions from other people who are influenced by the numbers. But um, yeah, I mean, there's every once in a while, you know, there's something... There's some big difference, and usually it's just driven by close game performance. So typically, you know, close game performance is not very predictive of, like, future close game performance. And a lot of people still tend to overrate that a little bit. You know, if a team has won a bunch of close games in a row, they think that they're really clutch or they're, you know, they're a better team than, than maybe some of the more advanced metrics would, would lead you to believe. So that's where you, you tend to see big differences um, these days. So getting into Wisconsin a little bit here, the Badgers currently sit seventh in your rankings for 2021, which is a little bit higher than where they finished uh, the year last year as, you know, heading into the tournament. So in, in terms of your ratings, what does what are the numbers like about the Badgers in 2021? Well, you know, it's pretty simple. They, you know, basically bring everybody back from last year. So uh, my uh, System, you know, I mentioned it, it looks at returning players and it looks at transfers, but all things being equal, I would rather see a team that brings back returning players from its program than, than brings in impact transfers. Um, so Wisconsin kind of pegs the, the meter in that regard. Um, and then, you know, you look at the recent history and it's been pretty strong. You know, they've, they've been just in the last two years, 22nd and 16th. It also looks at three years ago when they were 70th, but you know, it obviously gives more weight to more recent seasons. So uh, so it's putting a lot more weight on the, the 22nd ranking from last year as opposed to the 70th ranking from three years ago. So, you know, you, you put all that together and they're going to end up with a pretty strong rating. You know, to some extent, maybe they're helped by the fact that, you know, the top of college basketball, again, is super strong this year, kind of like last year. So maybe in a previous season, their current rating would be, you know, 10th or 11th in the preseason. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's – it's pretty simple. It's you know bringing back a lot of minutes from a from a really good team. 
Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. That experience is is invaluable uh, in college basketball. And I, I know in your metrics, a lot of it shows up their defense is one of the top in the country. Um, but then on, in terms of what they might struggle in this year, where are some spots where you could poke some holes in this team a little bit? Well, I don't know that they have necessarily like, uh, you know, dynamic score or anything like that. Like, you know, you're not – even though their offense ends up rated pretty well in the in the preseason ratings at 19th, like clearly I think if we were evaluating what their strength is going to be, it's going to be on the defensive side. So, you know, that's not necessarily like every team is going to have some imperfections, I guess you could say. And certainly in the preseason, like obviously like there's a lot of unknowns. Like for all we know, like Wisconsin could end up having a great offense. But obviously if you had to predict based on recent history, based on what they did last year, you know, you feel like, it's a fairly predictable club in that sense, you know, outside of Michael Potter, like they, they don't have necessarily a, a high volume score or, or a bunch of guys that can create their own shot or anything like that. It's definitely more of a methodical kind of offense that, uh, you know, requires better teamwork and, uh, and that kind of stuff to, uh, you know, to get their scoring. Since, I mean, you've been doing this a long time and a program like Wisconsin pretty set, in their ways, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. They know who they are and they know their identity a little bit. So there's probably some sort of trends that you might be able to identify with the Wisconsin teams. There's something traditionally that you see coming in that you're like, oh, yep, this is kind of your typical Wisconsin year in and year out. Well, I I think it's like just really easy to kind of project that going forward. Like you know, obviously you have you know Greg Gard who's now been there a while. And there was a pretty seamless transition from Bo Ryan to him, you know, just in terms of philosophy. Like, there are some differences, but for the most part, you know, what you see is what you get. What you got from Bo Ryan is, is what you're getting from Greg Gard in general. And, um, you know, generally speaking, offensively, you know, not necessarily the best shooting team, but, you know, a low-mistake team. They don't commit a lot of turnovers. You know, you'd expect that to continue this year. They're not going to, you know, get offensive rebounds or draw fouls. Like, that's – you know, that was pretty much the blueprint for, for Bo Ryan for many years, and it's it's continued on. And then um, defensively, you know, they're generally really good, you know, above average at two-point defense. Um, they tend to limit three-point attempts really well. And, uh, uh, you know, they're not too good at forca- uh, uh, forcing turnovers. Like, that's not what they do. But just the combination of limiting three-point attempts and, and limiting field goal percentage is, uh, you know, going to make for a successful defense when you can pull that off. For sure. And big the Big Ten has a lot of teams that have, are pretty good on the defensive end. In your rankings, I see 10 teams in the top 35 that are representing the Big Ten. What do you make the, a, what do you make of the depth of the conference this year? Well, it figures to be really strong again. You know, last year they were my top-rated conference, which ended a – long string, uh, a long run for the Big 12 being number one. And to start the season, the Big 12 was back at, at number one. But, uh, you know, certainly the Big 10 has plenty of depth. You know, they don't necessarily have that, like, marquee program right now, that top five team. But uh, obviously a lot of teams there in the in the top 25, top 30 range. And, you know, the bottom is not too weak. It might be a little bit weaker than last year. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the top, you know, 10 teams or so in the league are uh, are pretty strong. And, you know, just like last year, 
the best teams in the league are gonna are gonna pile up some losses and lead play, and so uh, uh, they might be a little bit under the radar going to the NCAA tournament. But that's just kind of the nature of uh, playing in a league where you know two thirds of your games in league play are gonna be against top fifty opponents. All right, I think that pretty much wraps up our interview here with Ken. Uh, Matt, do you have any other questions, or are you all uh, set? Uh, I think my last question for you is, are there any teams that you think could surprise this year from the Big Ten? Mm. Well, I know that uh, Ohio State being ranked 10th definitely is the one that uh, seems like a bit of an outlier. Um, and I should, this is a good time to point out that I will have like another update of the ratings uh, before the season starts. And this is, they'll get dinged a little bit for losing uh, Abel Porter, whose uh, career unfortunately is over due to a heart condition, but uh, um, Ohio State's an interesting, you know, certainly an interesting team. They don't, they bring back, you know, some some guys from last year from a pretty good team, and then they obviously bring in some transfers, most notably Seth Towns, who is really a wild card, but if he, you know, plays like he did the last time we saw him play at Harvard, you know, Ohio State could be a, a, a more dangerous team than people uh, believe. Yeah, that was the team that definitely, when I was looking at it uh, earlier this morning, it jumped out. I was like, whoa, I, I didn't realize Ohio State, you know, I haven't done a ton of research, of, of course, like you have, but I didn't realize Ohio State was so far up there. But it's going to be an exciting conference in general to, to kind of see, similar to last year, how these teams can battle it out. And, and night in and night out, you can, you're can you going to see some uh, good basketball in the Big Ten Conference for sure. Yeah, no question. It'll be a lot of fun, just like last year. Yeah, so there'll be so many so many games that are that – are, uh, you know, very relevant to NCAA tournament seating. The one thing I, I wanted to ask you before we let you go here, I, I saw some articles that you had written, um, you know, on the Kempon site, you know, st- statistically looking at, you know, when to foul, if you're up three, when to foul, if it, you know, all those things. What has been kind of your favorite stat deep dive to look at in some of those hypothetical situations around college basketball? Um, well, I mean, the you know, the fouling up three was kind of the the original – uh, that I like. The other thing, I, I guess another one I like is the, the two-for-one study that I did where, you know, people are, you're, you're watching a game, it's kind of cool to, like, knock a coach for not, like, having his team be savvy enough to try to get a two-for-one at the end of the first half. But when you actually look at the data, when teams try to do that, like, it helps. Like, there's there's not necessarily a drawback to that, but it's a much smaller, like, benefit than people realize. And so when people are generally – ridiculing a team for not going for the two-for-one. I'm, I'm usually not part of that, that chorus just because it's in the end it's, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Yeah, it's probably only very slight gains, and, and it's very case-dependent. All right, well, that, wrap, oh, <laughs> that wraps up our interview uh, with Ken Palmer. Guys, make sure to check him out. Um, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the rankings, but if not, go give it a look. I believe we have an article up on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com kind of um, laying out the baseline for the first rankings, kind of showing you guys how well uh, the Badgers look to start. But, of course, that can change throughout the year, and we're getting closer and closer to finally seeing uh, the Badgers back on the court. I know we haven't had them on the football field in a couple weeks, but uh, exciting to uh, see what these guys can do on the court here in a couple weeks. Ken, thank you very much for joining us. It was uh, great talking to you and, and nice to get a deep dive and, and kind of an insider's look on uh, on the, the rankings this year. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All right, Badger fans, we'll be back with you next week, hopefully talking some football. And until then, on Wisconsin.
Thank you.